listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. All right, so that was a treat to have Michelle Ploof on the show. Great uh, Edmonton story, her and her sister, Catherine. We've been talking to them for, for years. I mean, they've played uh, in the Olympics on the, uh, on the uh, what do they call it, the traditional team, the five-against-five the five against five team, and uh, uh, should have been in the Olympics a few years ago, 3x3, but that's a whole other story why Canada was excluded. So now they're going to try to defend their title here in Edmonton this weekend. Uh, Morley Scott standing by. Morley, I got the uh, the, the women's uh, game on tonight. It's Argentina and South Africa playing at the World Cup. So Yes. Um, you, you always what's one of the cliches in sports well play until you, you hear a whistle or whatever so South Africa played a long ball ahead and the Argentinian you know how they do in soccer the the, the back defenders will throw up their arms like oh hey that's offside hey yeah. like, how, how dare you not blow it dead and South Africa went in 2 on 0 and scored and then they went to video review and it was like, yeah, that was. It's not offside. That, that that's uh, like, well, like you, usually when they throw up their arms, they're yeah. usually like, you know how Rob yeah. Brown always says the players know. You know the players know. Well, not, yeah. not not quite always. So that's so they looked a little foolish throwing their arms up, letting two players go in all alone and beat their. Uh, uh, they shouldn't worry too much about it. The World Cup happens again in four years, so they'll be ready. Yeah, for they'll, it. They'll, 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 yeah, they'll, they'll they'll bounce back. Still a lot of time left in this match too. Uh, but South Africa leading Argentina, one uh, 0 Hey Morley, before we get, I, I got I played this a couple times in the first half hour, but I, I love the audio and I want to get your recollection of this. Kellen, fire the race again. saying at the start of the show, July 27th, one of my favorite days of the year, because that's the anniversary of uh, Bailey's run in Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to ask you something, though, I've never asked you before. Don Whitman, uh, no yeah. longer with us, of course, but a longtime uh, sports broadcaster in Canada. Did you ever meet Mr. Whitman? Oh, I sure did, because uh, when I was doing hockey, he was, uh, you know, he was doing the late game for Hockey Night in Canada uh, often. So he'd be in Edmonton or Vancouver or Winnipeg or wherever the Oilers would be playing. I spent a lot of time with Don Whitman those days. Just a great guy, a, a funny, funny man. Uh, that was the, there's a, there's a few people I've known, but he's one of them that every time I see him, he tells you a joke that you've never heard before, and you end up laughing. And he, he's told me a couple that I've put in my arsenal that I that I use that that are uh, you know some of the greatest jokes I've ever heard. So yeah. He was, uh, he was a great individual, and, and what a versatile broadcaster, too. I mean, he did the Canadian Football League. He did the NHL. He did track and field. Uh, back when the, uh, when the World Track and Field uh, Championships were in Edmonton, what year was that? Uh, I can't even remember I now. Think, I think it was 01. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it was 2001. Spent a lot of time with him then. Uh, and I remember we, we, were, we were broadcasting live pretty much from sunup to sundown from Commonwealth Stadium uh, during that event and spent an hour on the air with him. And uh, he just told some wonderful stories. I mean, uh, swimming. He did everything. Like, he was just a fantastic broadcaster and a real great guy to spend some time with. Great storyteller. Well, and one of my early memories of, of, of for me seeing Don Whitman was remember he used to host the lottery, the Western Express. Now, I did is... that with him once. Oh, really? Yes. I, when I was working in Prince Albert, uh, I was uh, selected to go, so I had to put together a little uh, a little videotape and went down to Winnipeg, and I got to stay at the Viscount Court Hotel, which is near the studios, and that was actually uh, uh, the same time that night staying at the hotel. 
Hotel uh, was the night that uh, Mary Lemieux scored the goal in the Canada Cup game. Oh. And I watched that and then went over and did the lottery draw. And that, like, that, was done, uh, that was done in the evening, and it was cool. It was a real cool event. He did that like, like he, he, no prep whatsoever. He was such a pro at it. He did it so many times. And, and they all in the studio did, because they played, the, remember the popcorn music, the song Popcorn? They played that while the balls were turning, and everybody in the studio would be dancing to it and everything. Yeah, that's, I, I forgot about that until you brought that up. Yeah, that's a great memory. I got some pictures of, of a very young-looking Morley Scott standing uh, in, a, in, a suit, in an ill-fitting suit that he bought just for the occasion standing with Don Whitman. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool memory. Yeah, I just looked it up. The, the show was called Wednesday, and it was for the Western yep. Express. Now, this is I love talking about this because there's some, some people listening who are thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that, and other people think, what are you talking about? And, and yes, they used to show the lottery uh, live, and, and, like, they had to have, I think it was John Shannon or something said that he like he would get as much as from that as he would from calling a game and it had to be Don Whitman and he might be somewhere on oh. Tuesday and they'd fly him back he had to yep. be there on Wednesday to do it it was a big deal it was uh, it was a big deal because you didn't get the, that was the only place you could get the numbers if you didn't see the show on that night you had to wait till the newspaper came out the next day because you couldn't check it on the internet or anything right so uh, people people it was appointment television because people wanted to see if they were rich or not and then they just go to bed sad <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Very, it was. It's hard to win. Uh, all right, that's fun. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's been very hard to win for the Edmonton Elks to transition to the team whose game you're going to call on uh, on Saturday. Uh, now, a little bit healthier though. Like, is, is Niles Morgan not not back? And maybe they're getting some reinforcements after the bye week as well. Yeah, Niles Morgan told me this week 100% when I asked him how he was doing. So uh, he's ready to go. He's practiced all week long. Uh, A.C. Leonard, who left the game early last week, uh, was not at practice on day one, but he was out for a limited time yesterday, but he took part in, the, in practice today. So it looks like he could be an option if he comes through everything and his injury all right for, for the game on Saturday as well. Uh, but kind of what, what is good is uh, Ed Ganey's been practicing with the team this week, and, and I think everyone thought Ed Ganey's shoulder injury was a lot more serious than this. Uh, at least that's what it appeared to be. Uh, but he's back practicing, so he's eligible to play when they come back from the bye week. Uh, not this week. Uh, he won't play this week, but he's eligible to play when they play their next game against Winnipeg after the bye week. Uh, uh, Gino Lewis has been at practice the last couple of days on the sidelines watching, but you can tell just his body language. He's really anxious. Looks like he's ready to go. He's got a couple of more games to go. He can start practicing when they come back from uh, the, the bye week after the game against BC, so he's getting close. Uh, Manny Arsenal has been practicing this week he's got one more game on the sixth game so he'll be able to return when they come back from the bye week so yeah they are starting to get healthy and that's gonna help right they need they need a lot of things to go right for them the rest of the way but uh, being healthy is certainly uh, one thing they're gonna have to do and it looks like they're getting that way all right uh which which, which is good news because they're trying to get over the hump here and, and get their first win of the season i I had Mookie Mitchell on the show last night, one of the all-time greats in the league. He's, you know, now lives in Edmonton. And I said, and I'm going to play the, I'll play the whole clip a little bit later on because it was a good one. And he said, how can a receiver help a struggling quarterback, which Cornelius is? And he basically said, like, if you're a receiver, you got to get every ball. Like, you can't. 
if he's not throwing accurately, then you got to go get it. And he said, like, and now Mookie's seeing this from a receiver's point of view, but he said there have been some drops. There have been some well-thrown balls that are dropped. And he goes, in practice, if it's in the stands, you got to go get it and show Cordy that you got his back. I'm not saying that the Elks receivers are trying to do that, but I thought that was interesting perspective, that if you're on a struggling team, it starts with you. It starts with your position group to try to turn it around. Yeah, you have to do what you can do, right? And you have to fight for balls. You have to get up in the air and fight for those 50-50 balls. you got to make sure you're ready to, to come back to the football to make a reception or you're ready to take to dive and take those extra steps. And when a quarterback is struggling, you're, yeah, that's absolutely right. A lot of people say, well, go to the run game and help that out. But the receivers have to help them out. There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, there's been some great catches this year for, for the Elks in, in some games, but there's been a lot of drops. And Dave and I were just talking last week watching, watching the game uh, from Winnipeg, and we're, afterwards we were saying, this might be the first game that uh, I don't remember a, a, a pass that was dropped that would have been a touchdown. So that's seven games in. So in every game almost this year, there's a point where you can go, if he catches that, that's a touchdown. At the very least, they're kicking a field goal and staying in the game. And, and a lot of the games have been close to certain, certain points in the game. So uh, a three-point swing or a touchdown at certain times in the game would really, uh, could really uh, tilt the game in the, in the Elks' favor. But for whatever reason, they're just dropping them. And, and, you know, some of that's on the quarterback. Some of that's on the receiver. But they got to figure out a way to, to, to catch the football, right? It's their job. So they, they got to make sure they're, they're able to do it. All right. And speaking of catching the football, and there's a story about him on 630shed.com, globalnews.ca, that people can check out too. Dylan Mitchell finally got a big play. He got the long bomb touchdown against Winnipeg last week. He had negative receiving yards after yeah. two games, and he was still in single digits after three. So I'll ask you the, kind of the difficult question. What the heck took him so long to, to get yeah. an explosive play? Well, for, uh, for First off, on the stats thing, he had one of the most interesting stats for a receiver. I, I'm not sure if it was after two games or three games, but he had uh, seven catches or eight catches for seven yards, and his longest catch was eight yards. Jeez. So do the, math on, yeah. do the math on that, right? There's some negative catches in there for sure. Well, here's what I think. Okay, the first couple of games, Gino Lewis was getting all the balls. Stephen Dunbar was getting all the balls. Kyron Moore was getting some of the balls. He went from being the Elks' number one receiver and the first option all the time at the end of the season last year to being at sometimes the fourth option, right? And and by that time, it, you know, by the time a quarterback could go through his progression, you might have coverage on you, right? So you're not able to you're not, not able to, to get that breakaway speed going. And and uh, so he had to work harder, right? He had to make sure he got open. And then Gino Lewis gets hurt, and he kind of moves up the depth chart a little bit. Then he starts catching some balls, and then he got the big one. And I think that makes uh, a, a, just a huge amount of difference to a receiver like Dylan Mitchell, who, as he said this week, is a very emotional player. And I think when he's not going well, it bothers him. And when he is going well, he feels great. He got the big bomb in Winnipeg and turned it into a really good night, his first 100-yard game, uh, his first touchdown down of the season and you know at practice this week he comes in he's got some swagger now all of a sudden and and it kind of spun around for him and uh, we had a conversation with him during the week and that's that you know that's what he said he's got to build on that now right so that's the situation that's what took him so long is the fact that he kind of was out of the mix a little bit right and now he's back in the mix and now uh, you know also you know you've had two different quarterbacks starting in some games and then uh, in games and you've had two different quarterbacks play in some games so there's been that uh, effect as well on him but uh, it looks like 
he's ready now to take off. Hopefully he will. He also is getting more coverage because people know who he is, right? Nobody knew who he was last year. He's just number 17. Oh, number 17 made another catch. That number 17 guy's got another 100-yard game. Uh, preseason, he said he could get 2,000 yards. So now everybody knows what he's talking about, right? Everybody knows who he is, and I think their defenses are paying more attention to him. Okay. Matthew Betts was on the show last night. He has 10 sacks outstanding player for the BC Lions and he was drafted by the Elks in 2019 played a couple of seasons here and I asked him about him not being re-signed by the Elks and uh, a couple of years ago and going to BC he didn't want to go down that road Morley he just said hey I'm thankful Brock Sunderland drafted me now I'm thankful to be a BC Lion uh, but you can go down that road why is Matthew Betts not in green and gold getting all these sacks well, what, what, what happened there Let's be honest, Reed. When you look at the the way Matthew Betts played and the numbers he put up, there was no reason for the Elks to re-sign him. I mean, he came. He was in Chicago uh, through training camp and was a late cut. Ended up coming to the uh, coming to Edmonton in September. I think his first game was either the Labor Day game or the game after, or the Labor Day rematch game or the game after. And he had two sacks in that game. I think one of them was a strip sack, and he recovered the fumble. Everyone's going, "Oh, this kid's going to be great." He never got a sack the rest of the time he was in Edmonton. Uh, I might have got one in the next week, but I mean, he had a sack in his first two games, and then throughout the rest of that season and the entire next season, never got a sack. Like he just he just didn't put up the numbers, and quite honestly, he did not give the Elks. Uh, and he reason to re-sign him because he wasn't playing very well. Full credit to him because he's gone to BC and turned turned things around, really turned the corner and become a dominant player. So good for him. He's getting the sacks now, but for whatever reason, he just could not could not get the wheels turning in Edmonton. So I don't think the Elks should be blamed for not signing him. I think uh, Betts should be praised for finding his career and getting it going once he got to BC. Maybe it's a better system. Maybe it's a, a better situation for him. He had a couple of different you know defensive coordinators not here, I believe, and I think. I think he's just settled into whatever BC's got him doing, and man, he's he's just having a fantastic season. Uh, am I allowed to ask where you are? Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm watching little kickers right now. We started. We started talking about soccer, uh, but I'm, I'm watching little kickers now. My grandson Milo is uh, is out playing soccer right now, and uh, they're just a bunch of little kickers running around the football oh, field uh, and not listening to the coaches. So they're just preparing for their life in pro sports, right? <laughs> well, I feel kind of bad. I took you away for some grandson time, but uh... oh no, it's it's fine. He's uh, actually they're they're done now. They're just waiting for me, and we're going out for supper. So oh. it's. Uh, you, you, you didn't interrupt anything. Oh. It's always a, always a pleasure to talk to you, Reed. <laughs> well, this was a fun one, Morley. I will see you. If I don't see you tomorrow, I'll certainly yeah. wave at you on, uh, on Saturday, man. All right. Look forward to it, Reed. Thank you. Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Elks here on 6.30, Chet. So uh, 3.30 Saturday for the countdown to kick off with Brendan Escott. Morley and Dave will describe the action starting at 5. I didn't. I don't have kids, Kellen, nor, nor do you, so we don't know what all the minors are. Little kickers. Yeah, That's there nice to get. Is that like the Timbits? of soccer I, I think so I like that, I like that like name <laughs> I like that name Little Kickers yes Little is it now is it actually Little or is it L apostrophe I-L I don't know Little Kickers people, I hope he people, brought the watermelon slices you gotta have you know? the orange slice at halftime you know right Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. whether you're a little kicker or not you can get in touch thanks for listening to the show uh, good hit there with uh, Morley setting up the Elks and the Lions and, and remembering Don Whitman and Wednesdays to uh, give the Western Express lottery numbers. Uh, we're back in a couple of minutes inside sports on Chet. Uh, 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 
subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Okay. 780-496-0063. Kellen, what do we have? Oh, lots of chatter tonight about, uh, well, the uh, Don Whitman call from the 1996 Olympics. I believe that is, well, no, it was the relay the weekend after. The relay was the weekend after, yeah. yeah. But the famous, I love Saturday nights in Georgia. Yeah. That was after the relay, right? That was the the relay call for the relay. We'll we'll try to do that one week from tonight. (laughs) Ah, well, hey, there we go. That's the beauty of it happening a week apart, right? So there we go. Uh, (laughs) Brian. Is is humble. He says, "Hey, Reed, I thought you were going to say July twenty seventh is an important day because it's my birthday." Oh, happy birthday! Oh, there you go. Happy birthday, Brian. So there we go. And get Brian uh, a shirt for his birthday. We will get Brian a canned ham T shirt. There we go. Very nice. Well, happy birthday. That's it. Um, we got the unknown text. They're, they're kind of sharing moments that that uh, kind of make the, the the goosebumps on your back to make you proud of 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 being. Uh, Canadian as well on a text line here. Like I got an unknown one saying uh, Canada beating Mexico in a World Cup qualifier in Edmonton in twenty. Uh, he has twenty twenty two at the Azteca. Was that twenty two or twenty one? I can't remember. I thought it was November or twenty one. Oh, yeah, got to get ready for the twenty twenty two World Cup. E- exactly. Yeah, for the people, do I consider that one of the biggest moments in Canadian sports history? No, I think it was an important moment in Canadian men's soccer history, and I think it was uh, a big moment in Edmonton sports history. It, it definitely was significant. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niles from Otwell says Joe Carter's walk-off homer in the World well, Series that, final. That, that would be up there. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. That that would be up there. And most Canadians were cheering for the Blue Jays. So I got a buddy who's an Atlanta Braves fan. I know that was against the Phillies, but they beat the Braves the previous year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tippy texts in and says they love the lotto story from Morley. So there we go. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, the, the lottery used to be televised. I don't think they even use lottery balls anymore, do they? It must just be computer-generated. Yeah, I think there's computer-generated images of the lottery balls <laughs> that we see all the time. That, that's, you that's don't do. watch the lot. Could you find somewhere to watch the lottery, even uh, if you wanted unless to? Unless they stream it on YouTube, I, I doubt do it. Do they that's post it. that anywhere? I don't, I've never seen that. I've never seen it either, so I don't I don't think they do that anymore. So, uh, And we got a quick one from Farmer Ed here who says, hey, Hi, Reed, the little hair I have left on my head rose when you played that clip. I am an oiler nut, but some of my best sports memories came from the Olympics. It makes you feel proud to see a Canadian win a gold. That's from Farmer Ed. All right. Well, we'll probably play it one more time because we got uh, stuff uh, coming up and maybe he'll have some recollections of that or of uh, of Don Whitman. But that's that's fun. I appreciate everybody enjoying that and uh, having some of their own memories. So the Elks and, and the Lions. So it's the 20-game home field losing streak for the Elks. The BC Lions have the fewest wins at Commonwealth in that stretch, just one. Saskatchewan has five, Calgary and Winnipeg three each. All four Eastern teams have two each. BC has only contributed to that losing streak once. They won in October 2022, and of course Edmonton's last home field victory was against the Lions October 12, 2019. They won 19-6. All right, Stoffers coming up next inside Sports Unchecked. Stay with me. Hurry, hurry. Hello? Are you there? 
Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.